Good to be back with you. Um, I was out last week, uh, took a little trip to Texas, and uh, spent a little time there. Um, was at Southwestern Adventist University and spent a little time there. And then had some time with family and some friends there. Got to hang out with my mom, who lives there in Dallas, uh, which is always good. Actually watched uh, both NFL games last week with my mom. Uh, that was kind of a trip. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, Mom is a big fan of Cam Newton, apparently. I I think she likes him. Um, So she was cheering on Cam. I don't think she really knows who he is, but she liked him a lot. (laughs) Um, But it was really, really good to be uh, back at home and to have a little time to see friends and visit with family a bit. Hey, I need to say a real quick hi and give a shout out to Christy Hofer. Christy Hofer. So Christy, if you're watching online... Everybody say, hello, Christy. Hello, Christy. Now, if you're paying attention, you picked up on the last name. She's a Hofer. This is Pastor Patty Hofer's cousin. And I can't remember where she's watching from, but I know she's watching online. So, hi, Christy. Glad you're, glad you're joining us. Amen? Amen. All right. Hey, we're winding down. We're ending our series called Lifeline. And uh, we've had these last few weeks to, to get there. We talked about faith and uh, this idea of um, how faith is this, this great platform on which to, to build on the foundation of, of activity and taking care of our bodies in particular. And this whole series, we've, sort, we've tried to encourage some, um, just some, some activity and to get moving and to pay close attention to these bodies, which the Bible actually calls the temple of the Holy Spirit, which this whole emphasis, and they're doing it in first and third as well, is not foreign to us as Adventists in particular. If you're not a Seventh-day Adventist, um, then, then you may not be, well, you actually may be very familiar with, with our emphasis on, on living well and uh, eating well and, and exercising well. Less emphasis has been placed on the exercise part, lots of emphasizing the eating well part. Amen? Are you with me? So the Adventists are going to start getting up from the table and eating well and moving well. Yes. You don't sound excited about that, I don't yeah, so that's what we've been after, is to try and actually get this, this beautiful, awesome creation that God has blessed us with, and given to us the steward, to think about how we get it moving, and to get it strengthened, and to get it, um, not so much about how it looks, remember? But what we do with our bodies brings glory to God, which is what we're interested in, in every phase of our lives, especially with the gift of this great body uh, that God gave us. So that's kind of where we're at. We're going to wrap it up this week. We'll launch into a new series next week, and I'll, I'll get you going on that. Um, but today we wrap up with this notion of love. Um, we talked about faith. Last week, Rendell talked to you about hope. And this week, we're going to talk about love to, to wind up this series. But do this with me. If you would, just pray with me one more time. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for Sabbath. Thank you for the beauty of, of a relationship that we are privileged to have with you that impacts every aspect of our lives. It's not just that we know you in our heads, God, but we want to experience you wholly in our lives. And so that actually involves our bodies as well. 
And um, may we be faithful stewards of what you've given to us. And uh, Lord, may we go out and be a blessing to others as you bless us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So like I said, we started this about three weeks ago. It's been an interesting journey. I hope it's been an awesome journey for many of us. And we've attempted to engage physically. We've attempted to sort of challenge ourselves with this idea of overall well-being, not just, you know, emotionally and mentally, but physically, trying to get active, trying to move ourselves perhaps in a different direction. And if indeed that has happened for you, if you are able to walk a full mile instead of a half a mile, if you're able to run a full mile instead of a half a mile, then perhaps we have, we have made some progress, all right? If, if indeed you, you feel in your bicep a little bit more toned, or if you feel in your, yeah, maybe in your calf muscle, not so mushy there anymore, then we have made some progress through the help of a young lady by the name of Brooke. Uh, you remember along the way, we've been doing these twice a week sessions with, with Brooke, who is our, our coach and, and, our, and our trainer. And I don't see her here this morning, but she typically is here. And, uh, but she's been leading us on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I was just talking to Gable. Gable. Gable was talking about how much fun it's been, how much energy it's been. Some of you, who's been there? Anybody here that's been there? Okay, good. Yeah, so a few of you have been there. Um, it's, been a, it's been a blast. But if indeed you've been going to those, or if you're doing your own thing, that's cool. We don't care if you do it with us or not. But hopefully you're doing your own thing. Hopefully there's been some progress. Something has happened and you sensed the fruit of your labors in your body, which is, an, which is an awesome thing. What we do know is this, that if indeed there's better tone, if there's better endurance, if there's a strengthening of the body, you didn't get there by chance. It didn't just happen. You didn't just, you didn't like, like get out of your bed and sleep on a yoga mat for the last three weeks and and all of a sudden you are more fit, right? That's not how it works, right? So it, here's the thing, when I was in college, I, I, I was under the impression, especially if I waited to the last minute to study for an exam, that if I just slept with the book on my forehead, it would, I'd wake up and everything would be okay. I'd know everything, right? No, that doesn't work. To a certain extent, you had to exert some energy. You had to, you had to devote some time you had to persevere, you had to focus. In order for you to get stronger, you had to do something significant. You had to practice what we might call some self-leadership, which by the way, we all know that we are the hardest person we will ever lead, amen? You are, I am, the hardest person that we will ever lead. And so in order for us to get stronger, to get faster, to have greater endurance physically, we have to lead ourselves well and to lead ourselves better. Now here's the thing. The Bible isn't primarily a book about becoming well physically. It's, it's in there. There's a beautiful principle of scripture that, that, that says that your, your body is this, this, this temple, says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we want to continue to honor what God has given to us. But it's not primarily a book about you be getting better physically. It is primarily a book about getting back to 
God and in a relationship with him that you were meant for. That's ultimately, that's primarily what Scripture is about. When you look at the very beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis, which we looked at, I believe, in the first week of this series, we saw this, we saw this relationship that God intended for he and Adam and Eve. And it was awesome and it was good and it was, it was beautiful. Then we saw, or we can see how it was, it was interrupted by sin entering the picture. And sin caused this awful disruption between what God intended for his relationship to be with humanity. And so that still sort of lingers to a certain extent. We don't naturally, we're not naturally drawn to God. But because of the work of Jesus Christ, there is an opportunity. There is this sense of something missing deep within me. There's a sense that, that, that I'm out of shape with God. Let's put it that way, right? So something isn't quite right. It's when you, it's when you wake up and, and you realize, man, I've been, I have not been active enough. I need to get out and I get to move. So there's a sense of something missing that we need. And that ultimately is what the Bible teaches is relationship and intimacy with God. I call it the divine intimacy. The divine intimacy. So, so whereas most people believe that the Bible is primary, primarily a book about our sin and our problem with sin and how Jesus helps to come and, and to help us behave better so that we will be in shape spiritually so that we can do all the things that he wants us to do. That's not primarily the goal. That's part of it. There's something that happens that transforms us and changes us. But God is primarily interested in reclaiming and recovering a relationship that was interrupted by sin. In other words, he wants to be close to us. He wants to be in a relationship with us because ultimately he understands that with him and in intimacy and in relationship with him, then sin becomes less of an issue. Sin is less of a big deal when I am in relationship with God and in a close, intimate relationship with Him. So it's not primarily even about our sin issue. It's primarily getting back to loving God more than we do some of the things that we become obsessed with in this life. Ultimately... It's this divine intimacy that begins to shape us, begins to transform us, begins to help us to live right and to live well. In fact, go to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. The Bible sort of affirms this notion. He says, physical training is of some value. Yeah, that's why we've been talking about this the last four weeks. Physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So again, don't, we have spent our time well, and I pray that we, have, that, that we have inspired and encouraged people to get out a little bit more, to go run, to go get on a bike, which if you'd like to try out Sebastian's bike right here on stage, feel free to come up and give this a shot. No, don't, don't touch his bike. But... <laughs> But, but what we've attempted to do is to get you to move at some level from where you are to where you would hope to be or where you want to be or even perhaps where God wants you to be physically. 
And what we know is that you didn't get there simply by wishing or hoping or even praying about it. You actually had to strap on the shoes, pull out the bike, and move. And move. And the thing I'm after this morning, the thing I want us to end with, and and hopefully we end big, is, is what is it that drives us to move? What is it that compels us? What is it that that fuels our movement? Why are we moving? What are we moving for? And I believe it's it's here, and I believe that you'll see it with me. So I want to take you to a passage. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 3 through 9. These these, uh, passages will sound extremely familiar. I'm going to read through all of it. It's quite a bit, but listen along with me. Hang with me, because what we're looking at is what compels us to move. Why do, we, why, do we, why do we go and suffer through working out, right? Why do we get on the bike? Why do we, why do we run? Why do we put on the shoes and get moving? There's, it, you'll find it in here. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 3 through 9. Hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you. That's awesome. I love that idea. So that God is interested in our wellness as well, as well, right? With you. And that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Verse 5. Pick up on this. Hang on to this. Love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Hello. Come on, people. This is participation. You, you got to be with me. All right. With all your These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Verse 8, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Here's Here's a beautiful principle about God's original intention of being in relationship with us. And that is, it doesn't just happen because you want it to. It happens because there are efforts that we, that we put in place. And we're fueled, we're moved, and we're fueled by a deep sense of love for this God who wants to be in relationship with us. That's verse 5. He says, love the Lord your God. In other words, the reason and the fuel behind why we get moving, at least I hope it is, it isn't just simply to be physically fit so that we can live a long time. I think we've sort of been, we've we've been down that path a long time, particularly as Adventists with our emphasis on health. It's not simply so I can live well and live a good long life. Those are all good things. But I am compelled to move and to act and to move in the direction of my Savior to glorify Him because I have a deep and profound love for Him. That's the thing that moves us. I cannot sit by 
and allow what he has blessed me with, what he has given to me, what he, um, what he has defined as fearfully and wonderfully made, and allow it to go to waste or to be misused or even abused, if indeed I love this God who I claim to love. It would be, it would be absolutely, uh, you know, it would be incomprehensible that we would do that. Go to Luke chapter 10, verses, verse 27. Luke chapter 10, verse 27. That's the Old Testament uh, version of the passage. Um, this is a New Testament version of the same passage. Jesus quotes the Old Testament, and, and he adds a little something to it. But, but pick up, it's the same idea, verse 27. He said that you love the Lord. What's the greatest command is what he was asked. He said that you love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle. Yeah, that's where we're at. Muscle and intelligence. And then Jesus adds this. You won't find this in the Deuteronomy version of it. But Jesus sort of adds to this very uh, sacred prayer, if you will, that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. Wow. So, so, so really what, what God calls us to in this passage is, is to love well, to love him well, and to, to move in the direction of serving others well because of a deep and abiding love that we have for him. If you go, again, if you go to the Gospels, numerous times Jesus uh, talks about, if you love me, then do what I command. The whole reason we do what we do is because, is because we have a deep and profound love for God. Here's the thing. Here's the principle behind what I believe Adventist health message is all about. Here's the big principle. I want to live well and be well physically. That's kind of what we've been talking about. I want to live well and be well physically so that I can best love God and serve others. So I can best love God and serve others. This is, this is the way I understand it and this is the way that I live it. If indeed I am well physically and emotionally, and mentally, and spiritually. But if I indeed I am well physically, and they're all tied together, it's a holistic approach, then I am better and clearer-minded and more energetic to serve God well and to love God well, to demonstrate love for God well, as well as serve and give and love for others. That's the underlying foundational principle for why we eat right, why we get enough sleep, why we rest, why we take Sabbaths, right? Why we, why we get out and we move, which more and more of us Adventists are going to move. Amen. That's why we do it. There is a deep and profound sense of love for this God who has given us so much. And we can miss out on an opportunity to love him well if we, in fact, are not well. Here's the clearest evidence that we love God. It's found in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. One of the, one of the, most, one of the most significant ways that we know that we love God is that we trust him. 
We all have memorized Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? So we can all do it by memory, but this is from the message, so it'll sound a little different. Trust God, listen to this, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Trust him. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. And listen to this last part. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God. Run from evil. Run. Go. Do. Trust. I think the problem with Christianity, particularly in America, is that it's become primarily a passive sort of experience. I come, I sit, I hear, and to a certain extent, I try to apply it in my life. But if I don't remember it, then I can't apply it, and I always forget it when I walk out the door anyway, right? So, so, so it's primarily a passive sort of thing. Trusting has never been a passive sort of thing. Love has never been a passive sort of thing. If love had been a passive sort of thing, most of us would probably, if you are married, wouldn't be married and we certainly wouldn't remain married. It's like the, like the story of the couple that was having trouble in their marriage, right? So the wife was particularly frustrated with her husband because she said, look, you never tell me that you love me. I just, I would like to hear you say that you love me. Say it with your mouth. Speak it, you know, with real words that I can hear. And he looked at her and he said, look, I told you I loved you on our wedding day. If that ever changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> Not going to last, right? So, so here's, here's the thing. You and I understand how incredibly important it is to use our energy and to focus in on relationship. That it's not just this one-off sort of passive sort of thing. You know, we, we, we get married here, you know, maybe that's in your future, maybe it's how already happened, but we get married here, and then you just sort of let the thing run on its own. It just sort of happens on its own. That isn't the way it works. Maybe for the honeymoon period, which lasts about, oh, six months, roughly, right? But if indeed you're in it for the long haul, you will have to exert some energy to demonstrate love, to strengthen love, to grow in love. In my case, I had to, I had to pursue, I had to physically move out and, and dare to ask my wife for a date. That's after stalking her for a good solid week, okay? It's just what you have to do. But it paid off. 21 years later, we're still at it. Amen? Amen? People are dead, good heavens. So, so here, the, the point is, the same approach applies to loving God. God saves you. He rescues us. That's called salvation. That's the beauty of the gospel. But in order for us to remain in a saving relationship, or you could say a saved relationship with the God of the universe, it demands our Effort. God is not opposed to our effort. He's only opposed to our earning. You can't earn it. It's already a gift that's been given to you. That's not what I'm talking about. Don't get, don't get hung up and don't get it twisted. Pastor Bernie's teaching saved by works. Not at all. I'm teaching relationship. And relationship 
demands energy, effort. Love demands that we move. Love demands that we strengthen the weak parts of our relationship. Love demands a certain um, uh, work of reconciliation. The Bible teaches that Jesus came and he reconciled us to himself. He helped to bridge the gap that was created by sin between us and God. But he doesn't want us to go back the other way. He says, move in the direction of loving and trusting God. And all I'm saying is it's not passive. It's like the person who expects that they, can, that they can stay in shape, but they spend a lot of time on the sofa, eating chips and soda. And my personal favorite, Little Debbie heart-shaped cakes. But anyway, I digress. If indeed our muscles are not used in the direction of relationship with the Father, then they atrophy, they go away. The reason why relationships are often lost is because we have exerted no energy to try and reclaim that relationship. God is not opposed to our efforts in knowing him. What does the Bible say? Seek me and find me and you'll, you'll search, when you search for me with all your heart. Seek, seek, seek. Fight the good fight of the faith. Lay hold of the eternal life to which you were called. There's something that we have to do. We can't just sit there. You gotta move. We have to move intentionally and with the goal of knowing our Lord and Savior at a depth that we didn't know him when we first came into this thing. We have to move. Paul put it this way. I love his words in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27. Listen, listen to Paul talking about the effort that he exerts. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the price. He's not talking about saving himself. He's talking about maintaining a relationship with the Father, a relationship with this God. He's, he's driven, he's motivated by love for this God. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 28 and 29, listen to this. Um, he says, in this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. This feeding for, this nurturing, this, this, this constant intentional engagement with is an act of love. Now here's the thing, here's the thing, and, and I'm gonna wind it down here in a second, but I wanna I want make this last sort of really relevant, I believe, point. As we, as we think about this notion of loving God, there's this idea that, that's, that's very much a reality in the culture today. You want to talk about a subcultural narrative, this is one. That, that we are, in fact, to love ourselves. We are to love ourselves. And I absolutely agree with that. But I may not agree with it in the same, in the same, um, in the same notion that the culture believes I should love myself. In other words, I believe here, and I wrote it down, so I'm going to read it. 
We love and value ourselves and our bodies, not because we are inherently good, but because we are infinitely loved. We love ourselves, not because we are inherently good, but because we are infinitely loved. The culture might tell us that, oh, you're actually pretty doggone good. You deserve to be loved and you should love yourself primarily based on the fact that you are naturally good. I don't believe the Bible teaches that. I believe that the Bible teaches us that we started out pretty good because the God, the God created us and he had, he had intentions for us to live in harmony with himself. But then sin sort of messed things up for us. So ever since then, we are, we are sort of born in sin and shaped in iniquity. We're bent in the direction of ourselves. So I am in love with myself and I love me some me quite a bit, right? But often in the wrong way and to my own destruction. But what happens when I come to faith in Jesus, when I become awakened to the reality of his love, my self-worth and my value emanates from knowing full well that my identity and my dignity and my value and worth are because I am infinitely loved, not because I'm inherently good. God loves me. And at the end of the day, if you don't, that's all right. Because God does. And he sees me as valuable. He sees me as lovable. He sees me, as the Bible says, as the apple of his eye. It is an objective reality. It's not subjective to you and what you think of me. It is, it is a profound truth that the God of the universe loves me and therefore, therefore, I'm going to go ahead and go along with him and love me too. And believe that he is at work within me. And that love for me is not in some sort of, some sort of selfish obsession with me. I don't want to become a narcissist. That's not what it's all about. It just means that I am fully aware of where my value comes from. I'm going to live in the reality of that, of that value and of that love that the Father has for me. It shouldn't lead to arrogance. It shouldn't lead to an overwhelming obsession with oneself. But you can, you can in fact see that you are valuable, that you are indeed loved. The other thing that that love does when we become aware of it is it just compels us to move in the direction of the one who loves us. You know, we're drawn to the people who who like us, right? You want, to, you want to be around people who, are, who think you're pretty cool. We bond to the people who love us, though. We bond to the people who want to be around us and who we want to be with and who we can share experiences with. And we will, you can see them. It's like I was in Texas, like I said, this past week. And, and I have many, many friends. I lived there for 15 years, went to school there. Have tons of people there that I know and who, um, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was so cool. After many years of not seeing them, I could pick up on a conversation just in a moment, Right? It was like there was never any time that went by. Why? Because there's a bond there. There's a mutual affection and a love. And I was drawn to them. Could see them around the room. And they came in. I was preaching at church. Ah, hey. 
and we embrace and we can pick up on a conversation and relationship that perhaps had never, hadn't been attended to in some time. God calls us to move in his direction. He empowers us because he tells us that we, he loves us. So this is, what, this is how we want to end tonight, or tonight, today. This is how we want to end. Did I preach that long? It's already night. Right. This is how we're going to end. We got a song we're going to sing. And I want you to stand with me. Go ahead, and, go ahead and stand up. You've been sitting too long. And as we sing this song, it's just going to be a prayer, really. I just want you to sing it from here. Not so much here, but just sing it. And it'll come out there really, really good. But sing it with as a prayer to God which is as deep as you can because you are you know and you're aware of the fact that God God deeply loves you